If you have your Bibles, we're going to turn to 1 Corinthians 7, 25 to 40. This is where our passage comes from this morning. And in this passage, Paul addresses those who are unmarried. And there is a call to live a life that is devoted to the Lord. Those who are unmarried can be more free to give their undivided attention to the Lord. And those who are married should remain married and not be consumed by worldly anxiety. All believers are to live a proper life before God, to be unconsumed by the world and be devoted to Him. So please stand now as I read from God's Word. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 25 to 40 says this. Now concerning the betrothed, I have no command from the Lord, but I give my judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. I think that in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles, and I would spare you that. This is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none, and those who mourn as those who were not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as those who had no goods, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. I want you to be free from anxieties. The married man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this, not, I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. If anyone thinks that he is not behaving properly toward his betrothed, if his passions are strong and it has to be, let him do as he wishes. Let them marry. It is no sin. But whoever is firmly established in his heart, being under no necessity but having his desire under control and has determined that this in his heart to keep her as her betrothed, he will do well. So then he who marries his betrothed does well and he who refrains from marriage will do even better. A wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives, but if her husband dies, she is free to be married to whom she wishes, only in the Lord. Yet in my judgment, she is happier if she remains as she is. And I think that I too have the Spirit of God. This is the Word of God. Please be seated. In light of this passage, there are three points I want to bring forth this morning. Number one, be foreigners who belong to the Lord verses 25 to 31. Number two, be fully devoted to the Lord, verses 32 to 35. And lastly, be proper before the Lord, verse 36 to 40. We live in a world full of turmoil, full of difficulty and uncertainty, don't we? Recently and even now, the world battles COVID. In other parts of the world, it's war or natural disasters. No time in history is safe. Even in the safest city in America, there was a shooting. When the Lord Jesus returned to uh, his throne after his death and resurrection, we had to remain. Believers stayed on earth. And in this world, we will have trouble and difficulty, and the world will remain fallen until Christ comes again. 
Well, the Corinthian experience wasn't too different from what many face today. In their context, commentators believe that there may have been famine or threat of famine. There may have been food shortages, panic, and riots because of social unrest, and people may have been unsure about the future. This could have given rise to questions whether or not believers should get married. What to do? Is Jesus coming back? Is the end here? Life is uncertain. It's difficult. What do we do? Life and the world was difficult back then, and it remains difficult now. We should understand this. We should be realistic about this. And this brings us to our first point. Be foreigners who belong to the Lord, verse 25 to 31. And first we see a problem. In verse 25, we see Paul addresses what the ESV translates as the betrothed, meaning those engaged or set to be married. However, a better understanding of this word can simply be those who are unmarried, or as another says, those who have not married or those who have not yet married. So the people Paul is addressing here can include those who are engaged, but not exclusively. He gives his judgment or opinion here, not a command to make the Corinthians choose a certain way of life, not to restrict them, but he gives his opinion for good reason. He says in verse 26, in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. Present distress here may point to how the world is at the moment. Again, we live in a fallen world full of difficulty and toil and natural disasters. We live in an age where Satan has power, where antichrists exist, according to 1 John, a world where people hate God and hate Christians. Furthermore, we can remember that there is great work to do in this world still, millions of people who are unreached, churches that need to be renewed, apathetic hearts that need to be awakened by Christ. According to others, this word that translates to present distress can mean hardship and external circumstances, which bring severe constraints or severe pressures, calamity or distress. In the context of the Corinthians, it could point to famine or fear of coming famine, a type of future calamity and difficulty. However, this word can point also to a present difficulty that believers can face now. Luther says, Christians at all times labor under the possibility of persecution, danger of losing one's possessions, friends, or home, or the general costliness of faithfulness to the gospel. Paul is being realistic about the world we live in as believers. There is real difficulty that surrounds believers of every age. So the words of Paul in our passage still apply to us today. Then in light of this present distress, he says, what does he say? Are you bound to a wife or a woman? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. Nevertheless, he does share that if someone does marry, there is no sin. It's fine. We don't want to get marriage wrong. Are you, if you're married, marriage is a beautiful thing. I myself am married. It is necessary for multiplying, for displaying an amazing picture between Christ and the church. There is no other relationship like it. It is blessed by God. We don't want to get it wrong. Nevertheless, though marrying is no sin, Paul understands and stresses here that those who marry will have worldly trouble, and he desired to spare the unmarried that. With that being said, Paul desired the unmarried who already face difficulty to remain as they were. To not make any big life changes, such as breaking a commitment to a woman or to get married if one wasn't married already. Brothers and sisters, do you believe that we live in a world that is full of present distress? Or do you live like this world is your home? Like there's no problem. Scriptures don't ignore the truth of the world, nor nor should we. 
So what should we do in light of this? What does Scripture call us to do? In light of the world and all of its difficulties, what should we do? What about those who are already married? What about singles who already face great troubles without a spouse? What do we do? Well, this brings us back to the title of this point, to live as foreigners who belong to the Lord. This world, as we know, is not and cannot be our ultimate home and allegiance. We cannot be consumed by this world or live like this world. Now we get to verse 29 where Paul says, this is what I mean, brothers, or I say this, the appointed time has grown very short. The appointed time can refer to the current age and time we live in. We live in the last days. We live in an age where Satan has power and rules, as one points to, where temptation abounds and time is short. Paul then is telling believers that time is short. Time is short. Jesus may not come back today or tomorrow, but he will come back. Moreover, our lives here on earth will come and go like a breath. We need to be focused. We need to stand firm. There are things that we need to attend to in this life, work that needs to be done for the kingdom. So a question we can ask ourselves is, will we keep our focus? Will we stand firm as believers during our short and difficult time on earth? Or will we be distracted with all the things of this world? Will we be distracted even with the good things of this world that God gives us? to the point of forgetting that we belong to another kingdom. Time is short, and we can't just sit around doing nothing or as if our lives will last forever. We can't fall into worldly temptations. Therefore, since our time is short, and since there is work to do on this earth for the Lord and Christ, we will not live forever. Paul says this, From now on, let those who have wives live as though they have none. This, of course, does not mean husbands and wives should neglect each other. Divorce, of course, is, in this context is, is forbidden. But it can mean that even something as good as a spouse or family should not consume all of our time. It should not be ultimate for us. God should come first still. Our commitment to our Lord Jesus Christ still comes first. But he gives us a comparison here. First, those who have a wife to live as though they didn't. It's not family first, then God. It's not wife or husband first, then God. We cannot neglect God even for something as good as family and marriage. That's the truth. Then he says those who mourn should live as though they were not mourning. Of course, there is proper time, a proper time to mourn and remember loss, but believers should not always be living with their heads down, living as, they're, as if they're always at a funeral. Christians, again, can recognize that time is short on this earth, and there's work to do for the Lord. He says those who rejoice should live as though they were not rejoicing. There is a time, again, to rejoice and to be glad. In fact, the joy of the Lord is to be our strength day by day. But if you are a Christian and all you do is host dinner parties, all you do is celebrate and go to events, then there, may, there might be something wrong. This should, again, not take up all of our time. Those who buy should live as though they had no goods. Our hopes and desires should not ultimately be in this world. We need to hold loosely to the world and the things in it. Paul also points out that those who deal with the world should live as though they had no dealings. This does not mean we are to quit our jobs. We're not to stop being good students or that we should stop engaging with the world. But again, when a non-Christian sees us, when they look at your life as a believer, brothers and sisters, Will they see only a man or a woman who is always working and only thinking about this world? 
as one who is obsessed with this world, even though you call yourself a Christian? Or will they see someone who sees work and this world as temporary? Will they see you, sorry, will they see you as someone who values something greater than this world? Do you value something greater than this world? So again, brothers and sisters, this world is not your home. Your beloved family is not everything. Do the things of this world hold a greater value than God himself? Ask yourself. Our precious spouse is ours in this life, but only in this life. They won't be ours forever. Don't put all your hope in your spouse or in your family. Life is short. We need to be on guard and we need to hold loosely to the things of this world in a proper way. Matthew 19, 29 says this, And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. Following Christ means that we will often live a countercultural life. We will indeed love our spouse. We must be good workers in this world. We will rejoice and we will mourn, yes, but, but we must, over all these things, love the Lord Jesus Christ more. We must follow him where he calls. I remember one pastor saying that his father was a preacher and sometimes he would be gone for extended periods of time away from the family to preach and teach. Doesn't, this doesn't mean we should neglect family, but we must wisely consider the work of the Lord and how it may take up some of our time, for example, and how we may have to make some sacrifices to live a certain way, to get things done, and to be obedient to the Lord. For example, maybe a man who is a husband and a father is asked to disciple other young men in the church. This happens often. This husband, however, understands that he has kids, he has a wife, he has a full-time job, a home to care for, to spend time, a family to spend time with. But it wouldn't be wrong for him if he is wise and after discussing with his wife, decides to sacrifice some of that personal time from his family to disciple others in the church from time to time. So the point again from these verses is that we should live as foreigners in this world. It's not our home. This world is not our home. We must live as if the Lord is our top priority. And this brings us to our second point. Be wholly devoted to the Lord, verses 32-35. In verse 28, we can remember that Paul says that those who, re- those who marry will have worldly troubles. And Paul would spare the Corinthians that. He says that earlier. And now in verses 32 to 35, we can see a further explanation of what he may mean by worldly troubles or pressure. In verse 32, Paul desires that the Corinthians would be free from anxieties. Well, what type of negative anxiety is Paul talking about here? Well, clearly there's a type of anxiety or concern that Paul desires the unmarried to be free from. The unmarried man is concerned about the things of the Lord, that is, how to please the Lord. In most cases, there is no wife or family to take up his time. However, the married man is anxious about worldly things. That is, how to please his wife and his interests are divided, as verse 34 says. It doesn't mean those who are married cannot care about the things of the Lord, but there are other pressing concerns and troubles that may naturally occupy the mind sometimes. Perhaps other things that compete with the ability to serve the Lord wholeheartedly sometimes. Similarly, the unmarried woman is concerned about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. That's good. She doesn't have to think about a husband and the well-being of her children. She can focus on her own growth. 
However, the married woman is anxious about worldly things, that is, how to please her husband, for example. Again, Paul here is not saying that caring for your wife or husband is wrong. In fact, it's good. It is a good thing, a gift from the Lord. Nevertheless, he is pointing out that those who are married may have more trouble, specifically in attending to the things of the Lord sometimes. The stress here is on the married who are anxious about worldly things. For those of you who are married, who have a precious spouse and a a child or children, you wouldn't trade them for anything in this world. They are precious gifts to you from the Lord. However, of course, your life likely looks very different from before you were married, doesn't it? Think back even to your high school and college years as a single. You had a different type of time and ability to know and serve the Lord. Perhaps you could spend hours and hours reading your Bible whenever you wanted without distraction. You could attend every church event easily. You could apply and go on a mission trip without consulting your wife. You could go to the mall and evangelize without thinking twice. There were no bills to pay, no diapers to change, even though those are good things. In marriage, there is much work and attention that must be given to your spouse and family, and rightly so. So Paul here, in his wisdom, and as recorded for us in Scripture, desires that those who can, those who have the ability to remain as they are, as unmarried, he desires that they remain unmarried. And in verse 35, he says this for the unmarried person's own benefit. Not to force anything, but for what? He says that these things, he says these things to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. Another source translates this as, what is proper and well-suited to undistracted devotion to the Lord. The point to stress in verse 35 then is, what is proper on one's undivided devotion to the Lord? Be wholly devoted to the Lord, brothers and sisters. So an application, if you are single, give your attention, give your time and undivided attention to the Lord. This applies to many of you in this room, to those of you in college, those of you you who are fresh out of college, to many of you who are young adults, working professionals, and even those of you who may be older but are not yet married. That can be okay. Give your time, give your attention to the things of the Lord in in ways many cannot. For many of you, this is a time you will never get back, a unique time to read your Bibles, to spend hours in the Word, to serve the Lord in special ways. By all means, if you are qualified and affirmed by the church, jump on a plane and bring the gospel to unreached people because you can. Go to the park, go to the mall and evangelize without a second thought. Learn how to study the Bible. Maybe learn Greek and Hebrew well because you have time. It can be heartbreaking, can it, to see students in high school, to see students in college, and see young adults who have all the time in the world who are unmarried yet to waste it all away who are apathetic to the things of the Lord. Unmarried people who would rather play games than to know the Lord. Brothers and sisters, if you are unmarried, give your undivided attention, devotion to the Lord. Wake up if you've been sleeping. For those of you who are dating, the call is not to break up. But since you are unmarried and technically still single, you can give your undivided attention to the Lord. Think less about your first month, your second month, third month anniversary. Think less about planning dates and spend more time thinking about the things of the Lord on serving Him and knowing Him before you're married. Won't that set your marriage up for success? Perhaps many of you have witnessed a man or woman in the church who starts dating and then disappears from the church. They're gone. No longer having time to spend with friends or 
with the church, always concerned about their significant other, always texting or on the phone with them. But dating and, and engagement is not a time to withdraw from the church or from your commitments to the Lord. It's a time to engage with the Lord all the more. Be devoted to the Lord. Be devoted to the Lord. To Him belongs your time and undivided attention. And this brings us to our last point. Be proper before the Lord. Verses 36 to 40. I understand as we go through this passage, some of you may have some questions. Especially those of you who are married. Does being married mean you can't be devoted to the Lord? I'll try to answer that in due time, but first I want to focus on verses 36 to 40, which may help us answer some of those questions. Everything up to this point shows that Paul's preference would be for the unmarried to remain unmarried, to be undivided in worldly anxiety, undivided in interests, rather, and undivided in their devotion to the Lord. However, in verse 36, Paul explains how there, of course, is a time where he would advocate marriage over remaining single. In verse 36, he says, If anyone thinks that he is not behaving properly towards his betrothed, if his passions are strong and it has to be, let him do as he wishes. Let them marry. It is no sin. Christians are not commanded to be single or to be married, but we are not to live improperly either as a single or married person. The word behind properly in our translation can also point to disgracefully, dishonorably, indecently. If a man behaves this way towards his fiancé, for example, in an improper way, that is, if his passions are strong and it has to be, then Paul says, go get married. Let them marry. It's no sin. There are various understandings of the word translated as passions here. One understanding is uh, that it refers to man's sexual desire, Another source understands this word to mean a man's sense of the pole of passion beyond reasonable limits, uh, the type of attraction that is beyond reasonable limits or even length of time. Any type of attraction towards your significant other that pulls you away from being wholly devoted to the Lord or from being undivided in one's devotion to the Lord. This should not be the case. If it is, a couple is free to get married. They should get married. It seems better to marry. So don't let your passions, your desire for another person, for your fiancé, for your significant other, cause you to be so distracted that you forget the Lord, ironically. That you are unable to focus on the things of the Lord. In wisdom, you might as well get married so that you can better focus on God as a married couple together. Be proper before the Lord. Being proper for many then can mean getting married rather than burning with desire or sexual desire and distracting attraction. Brothers and sisters, there is no room for impurity as a believer, no room for sexual acts or lust. Believers are called to holiness, to purity. So Paul says, let them marry. It is no sin. It is better to marry and be proper than to sin, isn't it? Some sources note how a Christian husband and wife can also encourage and enhance each other's devotion to the Lord. Being married doesn't, does not mean you can't be devoted to the Lord. You can. Realistically, though, it may be harder and there may be more troubles as we discussed already. So let's get some application to this. How can a married couple be devoted to the Lord? How can they give their attention to the Lord together? First, 
divorce is definitely not the answer nor permitted in this context. Secondly, if we think back to verse 29, Paul encourages those who have wives to live as though they had none. Paul desires those who are married to live a certain way, that all believers would not be too distracted with the world, live as foreigners in this world. And this applies even to the good things that God gives us. Believers need to be careful not to drown out the calls of Christ and, and the call to follow Christ because of worldly distractions. Even if you aren't married, for example, if you are single, you can still be very distracted by the world, can't you? This is evident in our everyday life. life. One is not better than the other in terms of worth and dignity. Both the unmarried and married must live as foreigners in this world who belong to the Lord. However, those who are married should make it a point to do so as Paul tells you to do in other parts of the Bible. Husbands, love your wife. Do not be harsh with them. Wash them with the word of God. Lead your bride to holiness. Love your wife sacrificially as Christ loves the church sacrificially. This is pleasing to the Lord. This is one way you can be devoted to the Lord as a married person. Keep doing what you're doing if you're already doing these things. Wives, submit to your husband as to the Lord. Follow him as he follows the Lord. Encourage him. Help him because he needs your help. He needs your strength. He needs your support and wisdom and care. You are his suitable helper. And together, consider the types of anxieties, cares, and concerns that have been distracting you both as a married couple. Consider whether or not your priority is first and foremost the Lord himself. How often have you been reading your Bibles and praying? Has your marriage thus far just been distracting? Leading you away from church? Where does God fit in in your marriage? Sometimes a couple may get married and fall away from the church. Sometimes the troubles of marriage can be so distracting that one's Bible reading and prayer life are thrown out the window. Fight against that. Work these things out if you are a married couple filled with worldly anxieties and together point each other to Christ. When others see your marriage, may they not see a couple that is so distracted by worldly things and anxieties, but may they see a couple who loves the Lord above all things, who is committed to him together. So be devoted to the Lord together. Now as we return and go to verse 37, we can remember that in some cases marriage should be pursued. But for the one who is under no necessity, who has their passions under control and can stand to not pursue marriage, at least right away, then he will do well. This person can be more free in a unique way, as we've talked about, not to pursue worldly things, but to pursue the Lord with their undivided attention. And in verse 38, both the married and unmarried do well, but realistically, the one who refrains from marriage may do even better. There may be less trouble and anxieties as a single person. So our section now concludes with Paul making it known that divorce is not an option and that a wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives. Nevertheless, if her husband dies, she is free, she is free to marry whom she wishes, yet only in the Lord. This is what is proper, though he believes this woman would be happier by remaining as she was. So even in the case where remarriage is allowed, there is still the stress of marrying only in the Lord. In marriage, the Lord must be a, a top priority still. Marriage is not a time to cast away the Lord, but, it, but the Lord must be a top priority. How can someone have a God-honoring marriage, a marriage that puts the Lord first, if we deliberately choose to marry a non-Christian when we ourselves are Christian? 
Scripture is clear that Christians are to marry only another Christian of the opposite sex. The married are called to put off the things of the world, to not be too distracted with the world. But how can they do this well if their spouse is in love with the world? How can a single, who, single man or woman who has been wholly devoted to the Lord get married to a non-Christian who is completely undevoted to the Lord, who is against the Lord? Of course, at the end of the day, both the married and unmarried are called to be wholly devoted to the Lord, to live properly before the Lord. And this is one way you do it. Matthew 16, 24 says, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? This applies to all believers. All of us in this room are called to be devoted to the Lord in every respect. And in this context, it is improper for a believer to choose their spouse or anything above the Lord when they choose to marry or choose to work a certain job or choose to live a certain way. The Lord must come first. Our ultimate allegiance is to the Lord in every stage of life. Even in dating, be sure to date only in the Lord. Don't flirt with those who hate the Lord. Christians cannot compromise in marriage or outside of marriage. So in conclusion... Or as we conclude, whether married or unmarried, be devoted to the Lord. Live as foreigners in this world, live with a full devotion to the Lord, and live properly before the Lord. And lastly, through this message, we have talked a lot about being devoted and giving your attention to the Lord, right? Yet for those in this room who are unbelievers, who are not Christian, if you don't give your attention to the Lord on this earth, What makes you think God will give you his good attention when you stand before him in judgment? If you spend your life rejecting the Lord, living apart from him and his grace, then you should be prepared to be rejected by the Lord. Don't put the Lord off, friends. Don't delay commitment to him because tomorrow may be too late. Take heed of the gospel today. Commit to this God who created us And all that we see, commit to the one who holds us accountable and who will judge us in the end. Understand that we have all sinned against God, rebelled against this God. We deserve hell before a holy God. Yet God in his great love sent his own son, Jesus Christ, who was fully God and fully man to live the perfect life we should have lived and to die the death we should have died on the cross. He died there and three days later he rose again, never to die again. So that whoever trusts in this Christ, whoever follows this Christ, whoever gives their devotion to this Christ, their attention to this Christ, puts their faith in him and turns away from sin, can be forgiven and saved. They will not be rejected by God. So, brothers and sisters, friends, trust in him, follow him, and be devoted to the Lord today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the calls of your word that we are called to be devoted to you with our whole heart. We are called to live as foreigners, live as sojourners in this world. This world is not our home. Our ultimate allegiance is not to this world. We are not first and foremost American, but we belong to you, God. We belong to you. 
So help us this coming week. Help us in our life to live lives that are sometimes counter-cultural, to live a life that shows the world that our top priority is you, God, is Christ himself. It is not even in our spouse. It is not our family. It is not our children that we love the most, that we have our greatest allegiance to, but it is to Christ. And God, I pray for those of us in this room who sit here week after week with apathetic hearts, who don't care about these things. God, wake us up. Open our eyes and our hearts to see that there is more in this world to live for than the things of this world. Open our eyes to see the beauty of Christ who died on the cross for our sins and who rose again three days later. Cause us, cause young people, cause college students to not waste their college experience. Cause those who are not yet married to not waste their time as a single. And cause those who are married to not waste their time as a married couple, a person either, as married people. Cause all of us to live wholly devoted lives to you, God. We pray, we plead that you would do this for us. Cause us to be committed to you now and forever. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.